Hey everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report Season 8. We're marching on with our roundtable discussions that I recorded earlier uh, at the end of the summer, uh, early fall, and I am thrilled to publish today's episode with Naomi Bush, Rebecca Gill, and Brad Williams, uh, three folks that I have a lot of respect for in this space, and I brought them together to have uh, three I wouldn't say competing, but three very different angles on the change of WordPress. Uh, you know, of course, Brad running an agency, Naomi having some uh, niche products, uh, specifically in Gravity Forms and add-ons and things like that. And then Rebecca being the unicorn, running the gamut sort of of everything. She's run an agency, she's run a theme shop. Uh, now she is actually with Imagine, uh, which is a local WordPress agency in my uh, local area. At the time that we recorded this, she wasn't uh, formally announced, but she's been doing a lot of SEO stuff now, a lot of SEO productized uh, work and education. So just bringing the view uh, of what's going on in the WordPress space amongst these three uh, individuals has been a fantastic conversation. I hope you get a lot out of it. I know that we've had a lot of great feedback so far in season eight. Uh, you know, again, if if you feel WordPress is, is changing or you have a, a particular outlook, especially with all the stuff going on with Gutenberg, you should post about it, you should write about it, you should let your feelings uh, be heard, uh, whether it's in a blog post, an audio file, a YouTube, a Facebook post, uh, an Instagram story, whatever it is, you should really get out there uh, and publish your thoughts and your concerns because things are changing and as much as some of us feel like we're not being heard, there's so many of us not talking about uh, those feelings and expressing them uh, in a concise fashion, not just getting angry you know, and, and riled up because we are passionate about the software, but if you can articulate the reasons why uh, you feel like this is changing and you're trying to add some, uh, some color to it and some flavor uh, to your perspective on this whole ecosystem, make sure you do that. It makes us all feel uh, like everyone's connected. Everyone has a voice uh, around here. I would love to get to 200 reviews on iTunes. We are 115 at the time I last checked, which was yesterday. Uh, it's about 85 more people. That's all I need, 85 more people to get a review on iTunes. I'm not looking for five stars. love five stars. Uh, but if you have a chance, go ahead and search for us on iTunes and leave us that five-star review. If I can get to 200, that's all I ask. The show is not sponsored by anyone else except for my potential five stars. So if you can find us on iTunes, that would be amazing. I would really appreciate it. I'll tweet out your kind words when I see them come through. Without further ado, let's get into the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Report Season 8. Super excited to get this second panel uh, underway with my good friends in the WordPress space, folks that I have tremendous amount of respect for, Naomi Bush, Brad Williams, and Rebecca Gill. Folks, welcome uh, to the second panel of the Matt Report Season 8. Thank you. Glad to be um, here. Starting from my left, which is Brad Williams. Brad, for folks who don't know who you are, who are you, and what do you do? I'm Brad Williams. I build sites with WordPress and run a company called Web Dev Studios. Rebecca. I am Rebecca Gill from uh, Traverse City, Michigan. I own a WordPress agency called Web Savvy Marketing. I am an SEO consultant and I do a lot of SEO education. And Naomi. Hi, uh, I'm Naomi C. Bush. I run a company called Gravity Plus where we build products to help people do more with Gravity Forms. Uh, so first product was the Stripe add-on, and then it's kind of built from there into a whole family, you know, populating Salesforce, utility, you know, those types of things. So thank you. So Naomi, so Naomi I'm going I'm to start with you, uh, put you on the hot seat first. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you have a very focused product. You've been on the, the, the show before. Um, you're focused primarily around the Gravity Forms, I guess, platform is what we can call it now, platform within okay. a platform. Uh, how has the industry, the WordPress market space, 
the plugin space? How has it changed for you over the last, let's say, year, uh, good, bad, or otherwise? Sure. Um, so I think one of the big things with the uh, plugin space is there's a lot more uh, people wanting to do plugins, both uh, in WordPress and outside of WordPress. Uh, you commonly hear, hey, how can I get into WordPress? Um, you know, because I've heard the term thrown around gold rush. Uh, so you put a plugin out there and, you know, automatically make six figures. Um, I think specifically for me, how it's changed is there are a lot more competitors. Um, the bar is uh, definitely uh, being raised higher and higher, you know, anyone can put a plugin out now. So what differentiates you? Um, so I think that's, that's how things have changed for me. And Rebecca, near and dear to your heart, which is uh, the Studio Press and Genesis Themes, uh, you had a theme shop centered all around that. And quite recently, we've seen Studio Press acquired by WP Engine. Um, what's the landscape look like for you? I mean, would you ever consider yourself going back into the theme space or maybe even a plugin space with some of the optics you've gotten from SEO work? What does it look like? I would consider going back into potentially like plugins, but I would not go back into stock themes. I think that that market is, it's saturated, it's difficult. Um, you know, set aside the, the sale of Studio Press to WP Engine, it just is a difficult market to be in. It was great and I loved it, but it, you tend to get burnt out on it, especially when I can sell an SEO course for a lot more money and there's no ongoing support. <laughs> so, I mean, that definitely played into my decision with what we did and just with the way the market is going with oversaturation. I mean, it definitely impacted my decision without question. Brad, saturation still a thing for you? What do you see from the agency side? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we see saturation across the board, right? Anytime there's a platform or product that's as dominant as WordPress is, you know, people are going to come running. I think gold rush was the was a good term to use and a, what a lot of us were, were a part of early on um, and still, you know, and, and still even just a few years ago, I think there was a lot of really obvious opportunities um, that hadn't been tapped into, but now I do think uh, it's, there is a lot of saturation. I mean, on the, we build websites with WordPress, right? There's a lot of people that build websites with WordPress, um, from freelancers all the way up to agencies, um, marketing firms, you know, massive web agencies, not just focused on WordPress. So, um, we're kind of competing with everybody out there. So I think that is absolutely something that has, you know, has really changed and, and specifically around the last few years, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, WordPress is still widely popular. So it is a big piece of pie. It's just a matter of, you know, how big a slice are you looking to get off that pie? Right. And, and then how do you get it? So that's, that's um, the million dollar question. Yeah. At, at recent, as recent as today, which is July 30th, 31st, um, I listened to an episode with Kara Swisher and Matt Mullenweg, um, sort of your, you know, traditional, uh, you know, high-level entrepreneur uh, interview with big-name uh, media star uh, and sort of Matt filling in sort of, hey, my vision for WordPress is I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life, right? Which you don't hear that sort of uh, take on most SaaS-type businesses. It's always some, you know, data-driven response or something like that or, you know, let's see where the features and the customers take us. Um, Matt does have a plan or at least his thoughts are to stay in this forever, uh, WordPress forever. Um, how has that evolved? And again, I'll start with you, Brad, this time. How has that evolved for looking at WordPress 
from a business standpoint? Like tool, fundamental block in your business? Like this is something that you're always going to provide. How do you sort of gauge what you'll be doing in the next six months to a year or maybe five years uh, within around WordPress? Well, our, our company, you know, WebDev Studios is is 100% WordPress. So that's the only platform we build with. We certainly integrate with a lot of other platforms, APIs or other systems, but WordPress is our bread and butter. That's what we build on. So uh, it's an integral part of our company. And it was a strategic move to do that back in 2010. Um, and back then, you know, eight years ago, WordPress wasn't as dominant. It wasn't really seen as a CMS. So back then it was a bit of a risky move to be 100% WordPress. Nowadays, it's kind of an obvious move, I think, for a lot of people. But anything with technology, you always have to be looking like what's next, right? WordPress power is 31% or whatever of the internet. We've never seen a platform with this much market share in the history of the internet. You know, we just haven't seen it. So it's hard to say what's going to happen, but to not be looking beyond WordPress would be kind of foolish. It doesn't mean we have plans to move away from it, but if you wait until, (laughs) if you wait until that day comes, you're going to get past and it might be too late to make that shift. So we're always looking at what's next, what's new, what's interesting um, and how that relates to our offerings. Um, But as of right now, we have no plans to move away from WordPress. We definitely still enjoy working on the platform. One of the points that Matt made in this interview, and again, I'll link it up in the, sh- in the show notes for those of you who are listening, is he said he would bet $100,000 that somebody who left WordPress would eventually come back to WordPress. And he was probably speaking more in the context of like enterprise CMS, CMS users. Um, you know, probably just the fact of, you know, ongoing support, licensing, and, 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 the, uh, and, and the connected service to like an Adobe or some big CMS provider. Um, Rebecca, how about you? What what have you seen sort of now being hyper-focused on SEO coming from the theme space? Do you start to look at it and say, you know what, I well, SEO is, can be anywhere. Uh, does it have to be WordPress? Do you offer guidance and advice to folks off of WordPress? So this week, the agency celebrates nine years. We've been WordPress pretty much that entire time. Um, but it's not all that we do, right? That's the only thing that we do for development standpoint, but we'll work on, or I'll work on SEO on any platform. WordPress might be my favorite, but it's not the only one. And I mean, I'm never going to pigeonhole myself into something that, that that's my only route, especially with the last few years of having so many people flood the market within WordPress with lower offerings, less than stellar offerings, you know, and you're, you're competing against them in a sales perspective. Um, that is one of the reasons why I did push into SEO. I mean, granted, do I love SEO? Yes. Do I want to teach people SEO? Yes. But it also helps protect me as a business owner and just as a, you know, as an individual with my salary to make sure that all my eggs are not in that WordPress basket. Do I want to continue to support the WordPress community and be an active member of it and use it? Absolutely. Um, but again, I'm a survivor. I'm going to make sure I'm watching what's happening and I'm going to protect myself if I have to. I think that that's any business should be doing that. Um, but you know, from an SEO standpoint, I'm taking WordPress every day of the week because it's just so much easier to work with than anything else. Absolutely. Naomi, I don't see a Ninja Forms Plus product yet. So (laughs) are you going to continue to stay focused on Gravity Forms and stay focused on WordPress? What does the future look like for you? Absolutely. Um, Several years ago, I did try to branch out and uh, work with some other form builders just because I enjoy them so much. Um, But what I found is that um, just the maturity of Gravity Forms, uh, you did not find 
in the other platforms. And so as a developer and, you know, as, as a business owner, you know, planning out your products, it was very frustrating. And, you know, there was a lot of, um, it was, it was costly, you know, because of the lack of maturity, you would have to go back and, you know, redo a lot of work. There was just a lot of, um, a lot of changes going on. And so, um, you know, that's why I have stuck to gravity forms and uh, that's what I will do. Um, because I still see that, um, you know, gravity forms really can't be beat. And a lot of that uh, has to do with the strength of the community. Um, and so I think that that's one thing that, uh, that people overlook in WordPress as well. Uh, you know, WordPress has a big community. And now when you look at other platforms, um, whether open source or, you know, just a lot of the, the other CMS platforms that are gaining popularity, um, one of the things that you hear is that, well, you know, you still can't beat uh, WordPress's ecosystem as far as plugins and themes and things like that. And so that's the battle that you see those other uh, systems having to uh, having to fight, you know, and they're 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 doing it. But, but yeah. I'm going to throw it to, I know, I know many of you, probably, well, the three of you probably haven't listened to this uh, interview today with Mullenweg and Kara Swisher, but one of the things he sort of said that automatic, or WordPress, I can't remember if he said WordPress automatic, but hey, it's all the same, right, uh, for <laughs> some of us, is he says it's sort of akin to Android, right, so where he looked at it and he said, look, you can get a Pixel phone, uh, I believe is from Google, straight from Google, so you can get that, and that's WordPress.com, and then there's all these other variations of WordPress uh, spread amongst hosts and us listening to this and, and, and watching the show here who install WordPress and, and make it our own flavor. Um, I thought that was a very fitting uh, analogy because I've always said it's been like Android from uh, the, the fragmented user experience. So, uh, Rebecca, my thoughts of, of the future of WordPress is there has to be an effort from automatic, wordpress.com, uh, to a degree, wordpress.org, to simplify this experience. Um, how do you see WordPress changing? Obviously, we have Gutenberg coming. But how do you see this whole like getting started from the first one minute to five minutes of WordPress? How do you see that change happening in the next year or so uh, around WordPress? From my perspective and my experience recently, much less from the very first user do I see that changing, much more from the business standpoint because that's who we work with. Um, you know, I could tell you for the last year, all it seems like we're getting, even though we get new projects and things like that, but there's so many people who are trying to do things themselves and screw it completely up, businesses. They're like, I'll just throw this theme in there. I'll just flip the switch to HTTPS and just go, Right. I definitely think that we'll see a shift with that because small businesses and even mid-market businesses have completely flopped on that. You know, they've, they've tried to do it in-house. They realize they don't have the resources. I think that there's going to be a circle back to like the web savvies and the web dev studios where people are like, okay, we already screwed this up once. We're not going to do this again, right? We tried it our breath smiling. We've done it ourselves. Now we really need to just bring in somebody who knows what they're doing and let's throw it out and let's restart. That's what I see happening. Um, and it is starting to happen, you know, because people are realizing that what they thought they were saving 10,000 or 20 or 30,000 has cost them significantly. And I might see it more than most because of the SEO standpoint, because people are coming to me and going, wow, you know what? We had all of this traffic coming in through Google. We launched our new website and everything fell apart. Well, yes, it did because you didn't do it right and you didn't, you know, you tried to do it yourself or you hired the cheapest person you could find and everything just collapsed. And I do think that that's going to shift because I think, you know, a lot of people are 
going through that and have learned their lesson, which for us agency and especially the ones who've been around a long time, um, you know, the old ones, <laughs> that's a great thing, right? Because, because the, it's going to come, I think it's going to come back, um, you know, in our favor. So we can definitely help these people from the start as opposed to just cleaning up the messes. Brad, is Gutenberg going to make WordPress easier for your clients? No, um, <laughs> I don't think so. I, it's, it's a tough one, right? Like, I feel like on the, like the smaller scale side, potentially, maybe small business, but I think my concern, my biggest concern with Gutenberg is that you're sometimes giving too much control is a bad thing. Um, and kind of to Rebecca's point of, uh, there's my wife. Um, hi, April. Hi. Uh, to Rebecca's point about... Um, now I'm totally lost my train of thought. Botched implementations. Yes, botched implementations. You know, you look at page builders, you look at Gutenberg, you look at site builders. Like I'm a I'm a backend developer, right? So I can, well, kind of code these days, maybe not as well as I used to, but I don't have that great design eye, right? So I played around with Beaver Builder and Gutenberg and I start putting things together and they don't look very good. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they look bad. Um, and I worry that when Gutenberg comes out, a lot of people will start to use it by default, maybe even new people in WordPress and start, you know, releasing sites that, that aren't great. Um, and then next thing you know, WordPress starts to get this reputation of, you know, oh, it's, uh, you know, what do you think of when you think of MySpace? You think of crazy, like out of control pro profile pages because they gave the user too much control, you know, and that's kind of the legacy that is, of MySpace was how flexible and crazy it was. And I worry that it could start to damage the reputation of WordPress just by giving too much control to users that maybe shouldn't have it. So I think it's, you know, to be determined on, on that. I think Gutenberg's a big question mark, but that's one fear I have is it starts to kind of taint the image of WordPress versus all these beautiful themes that we've seen over the years that a lot of people are using by default that, that look great, you know, look very professional. So. Yeah, one of the support questions that I field most often and probably the biggest point of percentage of returns that we have for a conductor plugin is, and I just had one literally an hour ago before we had the show, is, hey, uh, using the plugin, it's doing everything I need, but I don't see where I can customize the output of your displays, like font colors, font sizes, padding, like all this stuff. I didn't see it in any videos. Where is it? Can you point me in the right direction? It's like, we don't, we don't have any of that stuff. That, that doesn't exist intentionally, right? Intentionally, no bloat on top for you to do all these design things. Um, and I feel that, you know, page builders, as powerful as they are, have introduced a experience of the kitchen sink. Everything's there. There must be, th that. where's that button? It must be here. Um, Gutenberg is, is, is only going to... Uh, cause that to bubble up even more from a, a, lar a massive amount of people who are going to be using page building for their first time. Naomi, how, what's the outlook from your perspective on Gutenberg? Does, does it affect the way that you develop your plugins and, and add-ons to Gravity Forms, the way that you think about the product roadmap for your business? How does that change things? Um, I think absolutely. Um, if you look at Gravity Forms, it's been due for a while uh, for a UI refresh. And, um, you know, they have been waiting on Gutenberg uh, to see, you know, how the new editing experience was going to play out. And so we're going to see a shift uh, in the form building experience to a Gutenberg uh, type of interface. And so add-ons will have to uh, integrate with that as well. Um, so I do think Gutenberg uh, will matter. 
How do you look at blocks in Gutenberg or, or the, my crazy conspiracy tinfoil wearing self, uh, tinfoil hat wearing self, is that this affects uh, some of product sales uh, for third-party developers. So I like to listen to the nuanced responses of Matt Mullenweg in interviews. And today, he, in, that, in that interview, he mentioned, he mentioned Gutenberg. He talked a lot about it. And he sort of just said things like, hey, we've got this new thing called Gutenberg. We can help people build websites super fast, super powerful, all this stuff. And it, and it brings along hundreds of thousands of themes and plugins to many more people. And I hear that and I hear, okay, like Gutenberg is going to be this thing where people are going to be interacting and building their websites. And oh, by the way, I can get a WooCommerce block for five bucks. I'll just buy this right here, five bucks a month. Uh, I can get uh, this uh, Gravity Forms block from the WordPress, you know, marketplace right here. I can just grab this in right here. Uh, do you have any of those gut feelings, Naomi, about how they monetize Gutenberg for the future WordPress uh, through WordPress.com or Jetpack, something like that? Um, I don't. Um, I try to let other people do all of the uh, theorizing about uh, WordPress. Let me step in front of that bus for <laughs> and, you. Uh, <laughs> the conspiracy theories, I mean, they're fun to read. Uh, and see what other people think about that. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't have any thoughts about uh, monetization. Um, what I have seen, though, is um, all of the blocks and all of the conflicts. You know, everyone's building their own blocks. And um, so it just seems a little interesting, I'll say. Uh, whose portfolio block are you going to use? Or whose gallery block are you going to use? You know, everyone's building their own blocks. And so this is going to be interesting. And why wouldn't you get it from Jetpack or Automatic? Brad, you don't agree with me too much on this <laughs> thought uh, of monetizing Gutenberg. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't. I don't think I disagree. I think Automatic's. You know, they have funding. They have investors that they have to answer to. So at the end of the day, they're going to do anything they can to make money. You know, in all sorts of avenues. So. I don't put anything back, anything past the the automatic juggernaut of making money, um, and especially through Jetpack, because that is how they do it on on the .org side of the house. Um, I, I the interesting part is, like you mentioned, the you know all of the blocks from all these different places. Like it is a whole new kind of vertical for products. Um, and yeah, the question is, who's ultimately going to win some of those things? It kind of reminds me of the the questions we had years ago of what what slider are we going to use. Or what contact form plugin? You know, um, it's just a different question um, or decision that that people have to make, and ultimately, there probably will be clear winners over time. Um, maybe whether they come from automatic or from you know third party devs or from the official you know product companies, it's hard to say. But there's a there's there's definitely an opening here that we haven't seen in a while that people can kind of jump into, and if they're building quality stuff, they have a good opportunity to to be the dominant player in that space. Opportunity, Rebecca, for folks who are listening, because I want to make sure that people are leaving this, not with just the world is collapsing on us, <laughs> but there is some opportunity still to be found. Uh, what was the opportunity that you see that somebody listening to this can say, hey, you know, this is, this is where you might want to think about going for the next or focusing for the next six months to a year and, and beyond? Oh, if I if I was a freelancer or a small, you know, agency and I loved Gutenberg, I would be already setting up my shingle for a Gutenberg fix-it house, right? <laughs> because guess what? People are going to roll this out. Things are going to not go great. 
and they're like the average user, not developers, but the average user. They're going to need somebody to fix that. And you could definitely position yourself, at least in search, as like the go-to place for that. Am I going to do that? No. No. Um, don't want to do that, right? But I mean, I think there's, there's lots of opportunities for that. I think there's, I mean, even like with SEO, we see lots of opportunities with website audits and, you know, things that we weren't necessarily doing three years ago and technical SEO because that shifted. Is SEO dead? No, it just means that we're caring about different things and there's more service opportunities available. Gutenberg is going to bring that to with the WordPress community. There will be, you know, work out there for people and it, the sky isn't falling. It just might shift the way we are offering services and what the average person is spending money on. I see Naomi feverishly registering gutenbergfixer.com. Uh, <laughs> Naomi, what, 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 what would you tell somebody if they were just starting out or looking to maybe pivot their year-old freelance or product company into this new sort of uh, this new decade of, of Gutenberg and WordPress? What would you tell them for advice? Um... Well, I think the first thing is um, pick a side, uh, specialize, uh, find a niche, um, and talk to the people that you want to serve. I think there's nothing more important to a business than talking to your customers. You know, and then once you understand your customers, you know, I think then, um, you know, provide solutions, uh, package it up. People don't care about your plugin or your product, whatever it is. They just want to get the job done. And so, um, I'll just stick with those two things. Talk to the people that you want to serve and um, provide a solution. How so. do you talk to, how, how do you, what's your best piece of technology for talking to customers? Is it <laughs> you know, a Skype call? Is it, is it strictly yeah. email? How do you have that conversation? Yeah. Google Hangout or I think it's Google Meet now um, and just ask or get on the phone. Uh, so I guess it's kind of old school. <laughs> but, but it works. <laughs> Absolutely. And Brad, how about you? Somebody's got an agency, a boutique agency, or they're struggling to maybe, hey, this, this whole just generic servicing of WordPress isn't really working out. How do you, how do you give them advice to, to batten down the hatches? I should probably call it quits. Just send, send their <laughs> leads my way. I'll take care of them. Um, I mean, I think it's, you got to understand the product, Gutenberg or, or whatever, right? You have to understand the product and then, uh, you know, really sit down and understand how that would potentially affect your you know, your, your clients or your, your uh, ideal client, right? Um, maybe Gutenberg isn't what they need. I think Gutenberg is really interesting. I, I think it's more interesting from the, the media side of the house. Like a lot of our clients have zero interest in Gutenberg. They don't need it, you know? So don't just give someone a tool or feature because it's the new hotness or it's what everyone's talking about. Make sure it's the right tool or feature, just like the plugin, just like their themes. Make sure you're giving them what they need based on their goals and their requirements, not just what you think because everybody else is using. I mean, Gutenberg, there's going to be some, some good, um, you know, there'll be some sites that fit well with Gutenberg. There'll be some that don't. I mean, we've started using Beaver Builder for projects. Um, and, and one interesting point around this whole Gutenberg stuff, it's really brought, opened up the conversation of kind of these site and page builders beyond just the people that were already using them. Cause we have, you know, existing clients who've worked with for years. They're like, Hey, we've, we've heard about Gutenberg. We're not really on board with that, but we're interested in looking at other site builders and stuff, you know, so just find the right tool, make sure you truly understand it and see if it's what you actually, you know, what your clients need or not, you know? It's, you know, it's funny, like in the face of all of these, you know, plugins and tools, one might start to think like, wow, people won't even need to hire me anymore. But it's in fact quite the opposite, right? <laughs> because, because now there's all of these options in front of a, in front of a, a customer and they're like, what, 
what do I do with all this? This is great. I have it. So how, how do you, so Brad, from your perspective, when you deploy a, uh, a Beaver Builder site, um, do you add on a layer of education specific to that customer? How do you support somebody when they have all of these tools in front of them? Yeah, exactly. Um, documentation uh, that we provide around the custom stuff, documentation that the product already provides just around general usage. I mean, any good product is going to have some really good documentation on how to use their product out of the box, you know, so provide that as well. There's usually a lot of videos, um, do some screen sharing, walk them through how it works, what you built. We also have conversations around if it's a larger client around, you know, access and permissions and who should actually be allowed to do what, you know, maybe, you probably don't want your content writers necessarily in there editing, you know, the homepage um, or changing a font or, or the background color, the background image. So you can kind of define those roles and responsibilities and make sure you lock it down appropriately so that someone doesn't make a mistake, you know, and, and turn the, the background of your homepage, you know, puke green or something. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation to be had, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the more, uh, training, the more information you can provide your clients really in any, any business, the better off, the more they're going to feel like they're being taken care of. And honestly, the less kind of generic support you're going to have to deal with. Rebecca, what's your recipe for, for training and educating people nowadays, both, you know, maybe in like which pieces of technology are you using to, to do your, uh, info sessions and trainings and webinars and things like that to, all the way down to like delivering this stuff to clients? Um, so for courses, I use LearnDash in WooCommerce for the online courses. I use GoToWebinar, GoToMeeting, you know, whether it's a webinar to 800 people or it's just a small, you know, group training like a mastermind for like 20. Um, those are definitely my tools, you know, but I, I think the big thing is tailoring the education to the person. Some people are going to want just to know a little bit. Some people are going to want in depth. Some people are going to want training, like resources available to them, documentation, but then have follow-up one-on-one. -on -one. And some people are still, especially small business owners are like, I don't want any of it. I just want you to do it for me, right? Here's, here's my end you know, my end goal, make it all happen. And that isn't going to go away, whether we have Gutenberg or anything else that, you know, there's those people are still going to be out there and needing assistance, which, you know, that that's your, your silver lining. They're, they're never going to go away. If nothing else, you know, all of these options are going to confuse them more and you can throw all the training in the world you want at them. And they're still going to want a provider. That's a partner that's just going to take care of them and do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Naomi, how, how are you delivering these knowledge pieces to your customers? Is it uh, a traditional knowledge base online or are you emailing them resources when they purchase? What does that look like? Sure. So, um, you know, there's um, an email that goes out uh, when they purchase, but then it also sends them to, um, I create what I like to call field guides. Uh, and so it combines documentation along with uh, additional resources and other things that can be useful to them in their Gravity Forms experience. And so uh, all of that is on my website. One of the things I was thinking about recently uh, as I explore e-commerce plugins is uh, the whole, and this will be sort of the final question here uh, as we wrap up, is man, I'm getting tired of installing plugins. <laughs> like I am getting tired of installing plugins and hitting update as easy as it is and as web hosts do it for you. I get all that. Sometimes I think, ah, oh, boy, if this was just SaaS-based, this would be so much easier. Uh, do, do we see or do, do you all feel that, you know, maybe 
you know, like two years ago, SaaS or three or two, three years ago, SaaS was like, oh my God, like you have to have a SaaS product. Like, what are you thinking if you don't have a SaaS product? Um, I saw a lot of plugins, very notable plugins go to the SaaS model, Optin Monster, um, lead pages, two very big marketing behemoths go the SaaS model. Um, I'm starting to look at it again and, and taking a look at platforms like Freemius and like, boy, you know what? Kind of makes sense. Like, why do I need 78 plugins? You know, one for email capture, one for checkout abandonment, one for reporting, you get know, all this stuff, SaaS based, especially WooCommerce. Uh, Naomi, what are your thoughts in, on the future of WordPress and maybe coupling other big pl- plugins, maybe like e-commerce, but maybe like forms, because forms are, are pretty big, uh, into a SaaS-based service? Do you see that becoming more of a, a reality for us? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's uh, what you just mentioned is something that I get conflicted about myself. Uh, just that whole experience of, you know, downloading and uploading plugins and um, you know, so I, I, I definitely think that there's room for something like that. Um, I also do think, though, that there uh, will still be those people who do not want to go uh, SaaS-based. Now, as far as how large that um, that audience will be, I'm not quite sure. Uh, still thinking about it, but uh, there's there's going to be both. So, Rebecca? I, I think she's right, and I think that the um, the more niche you have a market, you know, and a, and a target customer, the more SaaS fits, right? Because you can couple multiple different types of features and functions and just make it easily available to that niche so it's ready to go out of the box because that's what a lot of people want. I mean, not mid-market, you know, or large or small business, but a lot of entrepreneurs and people just starting out, they just want a, they want a big red easy button. And, you know, yeah. and that kind of, when you make it niche for them and you have like that solution offering just for their 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 target group, it's it's a great win for them. Brad, from the agency side, I mean, we see things like Shopify and I think Magento also has a hosted uh, hosted version now. So like these larger, bigger businesses, enterprise businesses are on these platforms. Um, what about for you? Any any opportunity in that space for WordPress folks? Um, yeah, I mean, there's always opportunity. I think on the larger scale, at least with the agencies or the, the larger kind of enterprise clients we work with, SaaS is less appealing um, just because ongoing charges are not uh, ideal. And um, honestly, just even sometimes purchasing products is tricky. Like you work with, you know, these massive, you know, Fortune 100 companies and you'd be amazed at how hard it is to get them to pay, like just to get them to to have the opportunity to buy like a $50 a year plugin. It's not easy because like they don't have a credit card. They don't, they're not going to open like a PO for it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a bit, um, it sounds weird, but it is a bit odd. So sometimes we just like, we'll just buy it just here. Here you go. You know, like it's minimal. It's just a, it's a pain. So I feel like there's always opportunities. I mean, Microsoft and Adobe, they, they're doing it for a reason. You know, it works well. You just pay every month for your Photoshop or, or your office products. Um, there's a reason they're doing it um, because ultimately they can make a lot more money. Um, and we're seeing it all the way down to, you know, even to, to small plugins that are doing it with some success. So, um, SAS is great recurring revenue. That's what we all want, right? Make money while we sleep. <laughs> right. Naomi, you had something else. Yeah, there was, um, something that I forgot. Something that we've seen recently is with uh, big commerce where they're trying to move into the WordPress space, but, um, they are very much uh, a different platform. And so they're just providing a tight integration with WordPress, but, you know, still everything is uh, through their platform. So, 
which yeah, that's, interestingly yeah. enough, the Shopify, like b- big commerce seems to be wanting to integrate as tightly as possible with WordPress where Shopify kind of isn't. And they're like, sure, we can work with it, but use all of our products and, you know, you can drop whatever JavaScript into the site, but it's uh, two very different strategies from what I've seen from those two companies. Is it like the battle? I mean, I'm not a developer, so I, I probably don't have the best, I can't probably formulate the best question here, but is it like a battle of APIs? Uh, is like, we've seen this with, with Twitter, where when, when Twitter started, it was like this big open sort of platform. You could access this data through the API, but then they restricted it because you were pulling the experience off of Twitter, right? The content and the interaction off of Twitter onto their own apps. Recently, uh, I think Matt Mullig also cited this, that Facebook is shutting down API access to automatically post from WordPress to Facebook. Um, is that all this stuff is? It's like this, it's like this is a battle. Like, Hey, we're a big open platform. All these developers come here and then they pull the rug out from underneath you like two years later and like, well, we get you all here. We get the eyeballs, but we're going to shut down this API now. Um, rest API WordPress. Like we thought that this would be much more, uh, widely adopted and, and, and mature by this point. Uh, Any thoughts on, I guess the open web and, and WordPress and how it all fits in from anybody? Sure. Brad, you're um, more <laughs> um, I know, There's a good point there. And I think it's, I've been thinking about that a, a lot recently. Like you remember the whole web 2.0 and it was the future and it was all about kind of social networking and user generated content. And now we've discovered that's not always the best thing because that user generated content may be bad, <laughs> bad stuff. Right. Um, and I think that's why a lot of these networks are kind of taking a step back and reevaluating. Um, so yeah, but you know, honestly, Facebook's always had that problem with their APIs. Like anytime you build something a, a month, a year later, it's it's completely revamped or stops working, or it's a constant with them. Like anytime we integrate anything with Facebook, we always have to have that disclaimer of it will work as the APIs are structured today. You know, I can't promise you it'll work tomorrow if they change them. Like we have no insight, and we only know what they tell us publicly. So that's kind of all as the caveat working on big APIs is it works as it stands today. We just hope they don't change it, or they at least give us a, enough warning to make adjustments. Um, but that's the risk you take when you're relying on someone else's, um, system and app, right. Is things could change without warning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been a great insight. Great panel. Starting from my left, Brad, where can folks find you to say thanks? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Williams BA and check out the website at webdevstudios.com. You got a podcast too, don't you? I do have a podcast lunch with Brad.com. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca um, you can find me at RebeccaGill.com and on Twitter I am Rebecca Gill and Naomi I'm on Twitter at Naomi C. Bush and my site is NaomiCBush.com everybody else is MattReport.com MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list it's the number one way to stay connected we love a five star review on iTunes I almost said Twitter on iTunes <laughs> Google Play I'd uh, love to see you there uh, we'll see you in the next episode <laughs>